Hi, everybody. Welcome to Brokerage Insider, the podcast where we interview the leaders in real estate and technology. I'm your host, Eric Stegeman, and I'm the CEO of Trivis. We're one of the largest independent prop tech companies in real estate, and we're providers of custom real estate brokerage technology to medium and large brokerages in the United States and even throughout the world. Today on the show, we have Nobu Hata. And Nobu is the CEO of the Denver Metro Association of Realtors. I've actually known Nobu for over 10 years now. And you know what? Nobu, like me, is a real estate lifer. He actually started in the real estate industry more than 20 years ago as an agent in Alaska, and then moved to sell real estate in Minneapolis, where he helped found the YPN chapter there. After his time selling, Nobu moved to Chicago, and he accepted a role at the National Association of Realtors. He was most recently the director of industry outreach and engagement strategy there. At the same time, while in Chicago, Nobu's wife, Shay, became a realtor and built an incredibly successful team where she still sells. Nobu's traveled all around the U.S. and even around the world to various speaking engagements, and so we're very lucky to have him on the show today. So Nobu, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Eric. I'm excited to dig in, A, a as a friend of mine, and, and B, in your new role as the CEO of, uh, of DMAR. And so I want to kick it off and, and ask you a little bit about your past. So, so what originally got you into real estate? I, you know, I think, it, I, I think it's just like most people who get into real estate, like get, get into it by accident. Um, I, I started out uh, working for my father, who was a former Xerox guy, owned like a Kinko's before it was a Kinko's, right? And uh, one day I got into a fight with my brothers um, and my, uh, my, my dad went to me and said, you need to use your powers for some good. Uh, why don't you go work for this brokerage there? Everything's starting to go online. And I think you can at least make some money this summer doing it. Um, and man, it, everything just kind of uh, uh, rolled from there. I did a lot of design work and then I got into the sales end of things and it was just the rest is history. So, you know, the, you said the rest is history. What uh, What's kept you in the business this long? What is it about real estate that just keeps drawing you back into it? Oh, man. You know, I think other than the fact that it's like the mob, once you're in, you're, you can never really <laughs> leave. I, I think the, the big thing is um, I've never I've never been a part of, of a business where the more good you do for people, the more profitable you're going to be. Um, and, and, and when you think about it, especially now with the way business is in general, um, that really isn't the case, right? Um, but here in real estate, man, you, 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 you serve people well, you differentiate, you make them happy and you, and you make relationships, God, you know, it, it, it just keeps snowballing from there. So it's, you know, I tried to get out once it didn't really work. Um, got, that's how I got back into, into real estate in Minneapolis, but man, it was, it's one of those things where I think it's just, it, it's a feel good thing. And, um, I don't think I'm employable outside of real estate anyways. <laughs> That's, you know, Rob Hahn, uh, our, our friend Rob, uh, once once uh, said the concept that we're part of this unemployables group. Uh, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we only work in real estate and, and uh, can only do certain functions. Uh, but that's what we're best at. It's our highest and best use, right? Totally. Totally agree with Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so now here's the thing. If you, I want to trace back your history just a little bit. So currently Denver, pr previously Chicago. Previously Minneapolis. Yep. Previously Alaska. Yeah, up and down the West Coast. So yeah, I was you know when you're twenty something going up and down the West Coast doing the real estate thing, you're in kind of the height of the uh, post uh, economic downturn thing or pre economic downturn thing. Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun uh, just kind of seeing real estate from all over the country from that angle. 
but but it seems like it's always cold weather environments. Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> so so why the move to Denver and sticking with the cold weather uh, process here? You know it is. I, I left NAR and it it I, I had a couple choices for jobs. You know, and it it was it was a nice position to be in. I think it was just time, anyways, to 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 leave NAR. I've uh, got that seven year itch. Um, what I love about this market, not only the, the quality of life, which is fantastic, I, I got to get back into skiing and all the other outdoor sports stuff. Um, and, you know, I got the family thing, you know, Shane and Oliver. But what I love about this market is that it's kind of at the nexus of, of all the change that is happening in the industry, right? So you've got realtors, you got the licensees, you've got, you got technology companies buying houses, um, and, and you've got the socioeconomic issues, right? One in, one in four Denverites, only one in four Denverites can afford, uh, one in four renters in Denver can only, can afford to buy a home, which is a staggering number. And it, it was it was kind of the, like the, the, that challenge that interested me the most. Um, in spite of the weather, it, it's, uh, it's been great here and the challenges have been fantastic to deal with. So let's dig into that one a little bit. I actually have a number of questions for you in that, uh, in that same, same part of the conversation here. And that, you know, like at Tribus, we obviously have a, a big base in Denver. In fact, it's actually where the majority of our employees are based at. Um, and, you know, in talking to them, we have employees that, that are there that are making great money. I'm talking software developers and, and, and leaders of teams and, and, you know, directors and VP roles that are in Denver. And I'm starting to hear from them that they don't see themselves being able to buy a house even though they're making great money there and it, and they're seeing the kind of where San Francisco was 10 years ago. What, what do you think Denver can and do to encourage more maybe development or, or more ability for those people like what you're talking about to be able to be homeowners? Yeah. And, and that's one of the things uh, that I, I'm really looking forward to doing here and in, um, in Denver is teaming up with and reaching out to developers here. Cause the one thing, you know, coming from Chicago where you can't develop unless you want to drive an hour, hour and a half outside of the city, uh, coming here where you can drive 15 minutes and, and, and go to developable land. It is one of the great challenges to be able to talk to those folks and talk about what is actually needed right now and, and get some of these developers to think more, think beyond kind of the, the uh, that bang for your buck um, because they can build these six, seven, $800,000 houses and, and get really good returns on that investment. But teaming up with them on what smart development looks like um, both uh, out in the burbs and here closer to the city is a fantastic challenge. It's one of those things where I'm very cognizant of. I, I fully agree with your staffers that, you know, Denver is looking like what San Francisco, you know, Eric, when we first met at an Inman conference, even 10, 15 years ago, um, was fairly affordable then, but it's skyrocketed out of control. Although it's gotten very interesting in the Bay Area. Here, I just want to be part of that, uh, of that solution for people like your staff so that they don't leave, right? And, and they don't go to places that are... Uh, that are a little more affordable. Um, and then they stay here. We don't have that brain drain that, that is definitely happening right now in kind of these major metro areas. Yeah, and obviously from our end, we, we wanna have a sustainable workforce that doesn't need to move um, all the time. In fact, the reason we opened an office in Denver was five years ago, we saw it as the, the place to be where developers wanted to go to to get away from the high prices of San Francisco. Um, and, you know, we were having a hard time, just like you in Chicago before that, hiring a hard time getting developers to come to Chicago or want to move to Chicago that weren't already there. So the developer pool was small. But at Denver, it seemed like every single person that was moving here, uh, or excuse me, every person that was applying for a job uh, was looking to move here. So 
you know, you're, you're talking about developers building. And, and like you said, if you don't know the develop the Denver market, you can drive 15 minutes, uh, to the, to the East and essentially be in wide open land. Um, you know, particularly from where both of our offices are at, you don't have to get very far and be in wide open land over there. Um, what are things, what are specific things that DMAR that either you're doing or that you've thought about doing that would convince somebody like Lennar to build three, four, five hundred thousand dollar houses as opposed to the eight, nine million dollar houses? Yeah, where uh, I've already enlisted my government affairs directors. So, so DMAR is, is the only local association here in the Denver metro or in, in Colorado that's got a full time uh, government affairs director. And that guy's relationships with uh, with local regulators and legislators is, is amazing, um, and 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 it's it's bringing those worlds together that we're working on right now, um, and and breaking down a lot of the regulatory issues to build, which is which is the, that's going to be the first um, issue that many developers will cite as the reason for building up uh, and and more expensive homes rather than the more affordable ones, uh, along with. Uh, bringing in kind of smart, again, like I mentioned earlier, the smart idea of smart development, which is integral for um, uh, building within the city. Now, no one wants to have, you know, strip malls and, and, and ugliness kind of going throughout, uh, especially the urban areas of, of the Denver metro area. Um, with so many areas, have got so much character. It's, it's, it's teaming up with not only the regulators and the builders, but also the locals in the community where, uh, I, you know, you know, Brit's on this, maybe he can echo this, but I've never seen a more uh, siloed uh, uh, neighborhood ideal, right? Where you've got people who will worry about their four by four uh, square block, block radius and only that four by four, four uh, block square radius, but bringing in um, smart development with these folks who are fiercely, fiercely protective of, of, of their communities and what the community will be and teaming up with those guys in a very smart way uh, the, the beginning of this is the politics. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that I, that as a former non-realtor going into the realtor world, I was, I was a convert to. Um, but that world is one of those worlds that right now is, is, is evolving, um, getting a lot more human. And if I can bring a little more of the realtor uh, and real estate flavor to that so that we can team up better, better on better developments, um, we, we'll have a, a, not only a short-term, but a midterm and a long-term road to, uh, to home ownership for folks like your staff, no matter where they want to live. And I, I don't want to sit there and say, hey, move to Aurora, move to Parker. Um, there, there are, there's opportunity everywhere as long as we partner up correctly and we're setting the, uh, the ground rules for that right now. And I think, you know, if you, you can go to Aurora and you can go to Parker of what's there, but in, in the environment, and, and I think our employees would be happy to do that, but the, the environment that we're in, it's kind of being two different things. Number one is, um, those houses that come up for sale in an Aurora and a Parker, um, the numbers we're starting to see, and I, I still own, I own property in, in Colorado and actually in Parker. And, yep. you know, I've gotten offer for 10% more than the same offer I received in November of last year. So I, I just recently pulled an offer here in February and the, that same offer was 10% more. So the first, the first issue with development or the first issue with affordable housing, it certainly seems like you know, the demand is so high beyond what's there that in the immediate future, there's no good way to solve it tomorrow. Am, am I wrong in seeing that? And that's why that these are 10% increases or do you, do you see something else? 
No, I've been watching those stats as well. It, they, they are alarming. What's been interesting is seeing, you know, you know, as you know, my wife sells in Chicago, you know, getting a $100,000 over, uh, over list price multiple offer situation is not uncommon even in Chicago right now for million dollar properties. But when I hear a story about that happening with a five or $600,000 property, that's when it's like, wow, you know, it, I don't know how, uh, I don't know how first time home buyers are doing it, right? First time home buyers, frankly, who are in that price point now. Right, who are competing uh, uh, heavily with folks who are not only coming into the Denver metro area, but the folks who are, from what I've been hearing from my mortgage and title pe uh, people here, they're, they're land rich folks who are uh, locals who are selling off their land and making a lot of money, and then turning around and buying homes where they they would never considered before, right, as either uh, uh, the, their primary residence or even an investment property. So, uh, it, is it is it is there a sign of it? Um, waning off. I, I don't see it right now. I think we'll take it year by year. I think this next year is just going to be more of the same with less inventory. Um, but what I'm watching are things like Google stats. I'm watching things like, um, um, you know, search queries. I'm watching things like uh, census, uh, census numbers when those things come out to see if there's any, any end in sight so that I can help prepare my members and their clients for, um, for what will be an even more competitive market, but with hopefully a little more inventory. Yeah, for sure. And and that really yields to the second the second part of the problem is, you know, what Nobu Nobu was was alluding to in terms of building and, and the politics and everything like that, there's more than just even politics of getting approval, like what you're talking about. In Colorado, there's this problem of the water rights. And oh, yeah. um, you know, building a single lot can mean a twenty-five thousand dollar tap fee. To, to connect up initially to get water rights. So $25,000 of a builder's cost in building the home can be involved in, in the price that they pay to connect up to city water that's there. And so it seems like there's something has to be done about that. And I don't know how sustainable that is over time because of the water problems that Denver has, right? Yeah, and what happens is is that uh, you know shit because we are in actually in touch with with those with the various water boards around the metro area, which have been, that's been a very interesting conversation. That's a new one to me, and it's been super cool to actually have. Um, but any movement with those guys creates problems in, in other regulatory areas, including taxes, right? So um, you know we're we're watching all of that to to help uh, guide not only policy for today but policy for tomorrow as this metro area evolves and grows so we can as we can all be part of what this community is going to look like in five years for sure um and you know getting in just for a second more on this uh hyper denver specific topic uh obviously i'm interested in it um you know the the numbers that you're seeing of people move there i know uh the last number i saw was that denver essentially doubled in population over a 10 10 year period but is that, are you still seeing that's happening? And particularly with the pandemic, are you still seeing or getting anecdotes of those numbers holding up or even moving higher than they were before? Oh yeah, I, I, and it's, they're, going to, they're going to more affordable areas too. Uh, you mentioned Parker, that, is, that area is one of the fastest growing zip codes in the country, right? So yeah, I mean, it, it, I think people are realizing the Denver metro area is massive. It's almost like saying Chicagoland, right? Except for, you know, we've got an airport to the east instead of a big old freaking lake. Uh, but here, you know, yeah, you're seeing you're seeing folks migrate out to areas they probably would, wouldn't even consider it now that they know that, that uh, you know, you've got you got Parker, which is what, five minutes away, 15 minutes away from the DTC. Uh, I was in Castle Rock today, same exact thing, right? So uh, it's it's filling in that areas between Castle Rock and Parker with the, uh, the Denver metro area that we'll be watching closely. 
but uh, man, is it a crazy time here or what? For sure, for sure. It, it's a good time to be an owner. It's a very tough time to be yeah. a current renter or somebody who wants to purchase at one point. And, and it's something I'm very concerned about in terms of my employees, because I want them to have somewhere sustainable that they want to be at and build a family and have that American dream. That's the same reason you and I got into this business. You know, you, you talked about starting about bringing happiness and, and, and putting that into people's lives and helping them achieve these dreams. And you know, something I'm always worried about is my people that I consider like family to me, um, you know, worrying about them building wealth over time with the, the idea of home ownership for the industry that we're in, we're in. And I hear them make these statements to me and it obviously makes me very nervous. And, and I, I I'm always interested in what can be done about these things. So it's great to hear somebody like you uh, that's in charge of the association there is thinking about it, working on it. And I can't wait to see, um, more specifics come out over time of things that you guys are are able to work on both from the political side and and from the the building side uh, to get them to do that. So uh, moving on, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Ryan Association um, because uh, that involves politics. So you know uh, how much of your daily life in being the CEO of DMAR, how much of that is maybe about politics and dealing with brokers and dealing with agents and, and their process, um, or maybe even talking about from dealing with uh, the literally politicians, um, as we traditionally think about them, versus a day-to-day -day running of an organization that a, that a CEO typically does. What, what, is the day, what does a day in Nobu's life look like? You know, a, a lot of it is, is is almost like what you're what you're talking about, right? And I, I'm trying to run a business here, and that's the way I think about it. And um, it, it, that being said, politics is rampant everywhere. What, what's different about this this market is how fiercely protective people are. Um, and, and and as you mentioned earlier, I, I've been to all, all 50 states, you know, and I grew up in Alaska, one of the the most fiercely independent uh, markets uh, out there. Period. Uh, but here, I, I've never experienced people who are like, I don't go east of east of I-25. You know, I don't go out and visit the Aurora. The, those, and I'm like, it's a suburb, man. It's not like there's anything any, anything fiercely different. But I get it. You know, I've, and I think that is the biggest uh, hurdle that a lot of folks, um, you know, in my position and, and, and elsewhere, when you're in a, in a position of authority is to kind of understand the politics uh, be empathetic to it. You know, I, to me, it's finding the root, root issue as to why folks are protective or, or, or have politicized a, a certain issue um, and then try to work backwards from the solution, right? So um, it was something that, that and, uh, working at NAR for seven years, preparing me for, before that I was in, uh, it was in realtor leadership. So, you know, I was surrounded by a day in and day out. And, and luckily, you know, for me, I just, I, I, you know, I think about the greater whole, the greater, uh, the greater membership of, of, of DMAR on what we're doing for them and how I can use the politics for a positive to meet, to meet the ends that I need in order to serve all of our membership better, just because I see the, the writing on the wall when it comes to real estate, right? So you know, dealing with politics is, 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 is a day in and day out thing. Not only is it, do I deal with it from the membership point of view, but from my, even my, my staffers, right? There's politics there. Um, but I don't let it get to me. I don't take things personally. And I like to say as apolitical as possible in order to get work done. And frankly, being the new guy makes it fairly easy. What's actually been pretty cool is, is um, working with the brokers and the members here, um, them knowing that I sold real estate before uh, I, I, I got here. I have the connections, uh, you know, for folks like you and at NAR and, and whatnot. Um, and, 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 you know, 
my reputation of, that I had at NAR and, and even here of, I just want to get business done is helping a lot. And um, at least right now, I mean, I'm not, I'm going to knock on wood. At least right now, the politics haven't been uh, detrimental. Um, it's, it's a matter of just kind of taking him to heart and, and work, pushing forward. That's uh, it's insightful because uh, I you know I don't think many CEOs of associations are willing to to be candid with what their day to day looks like, but it seems like a lot of it is always politics and and you hit the nail on the head. In any organization, when you run it, you're going to have internal politics. You know, I'm talking about employees, not even external, uh, yep. like you have to deal with. So you, you have a whole other you know set of these folks to deal with that you have to play politics with in terms of the brokers and the market, etc. Plus, also the all of the internal stuff that every CEO has to deal with. Um, so, you know, let's keep talking about associations here. Um, you know, you I know that technology is a passion of yours, and so I wanted to ask, you know, in terms of your thought process, where's the line where MLSs and associations offer technology as part of their membership? versus being the traditional MLS or the traditional association that's there for maybe political advocacy um, and you know uh, governance, um, but not having a bunch of tools or on the MLS side, just being the offer of comp um, uh, compensation between two brokers. Where's that line of what you should offer versus letting the brokers compete on their own? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. You know, I think the thing that, um that I'm very cognizant of, and I was cognizant of it, you know, during NAR days and, and, and before that as, as a leader kind of traveling around the country, um, the closer you are to the street, the more you need to be impactful with people's businesses and how they see fit, right? Um, you know, we're the ones that, that get the dues for us and, 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 and CAR at the state level and NAR, frankly, right? So the more value that we show, the better it's gonna, gonna be for me to <laughs> come due season to ask for those dues and to get them without uh, without much complaint, um, and 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 how that stuff actually carries into the politics end of things actually uh, to me is one in the same conversation. You know, it's all about trust when it comes to that type of uh, uh, type. You know, like yeah, I I, I want to build a place where folks are like, I trust you with not only our, my real estate uh, technology and services and solutions that you're offering, but the other things that you're doing that uh, on the political end of things as well. The line I think actually. It, um, differs from market to market. You know, this is a market where you've got, you've got, uh, um, you know, I actually just got the numbers today. You know, the, the, the top broker here has a little over 4% market share, right? And it's a, it's a large out-of-state brokerage. So, you know, what I offer, uh, what I want, what I'm endeavoring to do here is to offer things that um, help not only them, but their business ops and their client dynamic as well. So once you start thinking about like technology products and solutions and offerings, really in that context, the list actually gets whittled down quite a bit, right? This is not just about um, you know silver's uh, shiny toy objects. This really is about this is going to help you save or uh, save money or make money, right? Um, and how I offer it is the thing that actually is going to be the line where I'm going to be cognizant of every day. What a Remax needs is going to be very different from a Weston Maine. Uh, who will be very different from one of you know uh, the the small mom and pop shops that dominate uh, the Denver metro area as well, right? So it's 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 bringing things in that don't um, um, you know, impact the uh, the member dues or uh, revenues that we are experiencing here, but marketing it better so that they use it 
um, it, it, and they only use the services that they, they want or need. And I'm even offering things like personal concierge type services to do a deep dives into their, uh, into their brokerage ops to see what will fit, right? So it, it, that feeling uh, with a lot of the folks I've talked about has been fantastic to them, right? Because I, you know, I think you, you, maybe you can actually <laughs> echo the sentiment. Uh, there's a lot of brokerage folks who, out there who really don't understand what they need or when they need it. And it, sometimes it takes that third party to come in and lend that insight. And I'm happy to do it. Um, and and um, man, has it led to really good research on my end on what people actually want and need here in this area. So it, it's funny that you say that. Um, you know, at Tribus, we're, we're getting ready to announce uh, at the risk of at the risk of uh, making our PR folks frustrated, uh, we're getting ready to announce that we overhauled everything that we do in terms of launching customers uh, and on- onboarding customers. And uh, the simple fact of what we did was just start asking questions instead of saying, "Here's what we offer. Good luck." Right? Uh, we just started asking questions, and I mean, as a former broker owner. If my association CEO knocked on my door one day and said, hey, can I help you be a better broker? I think I would have, my jaw would have hit the floor. I don't, I mean, you know, few tech companies do that. Um, no CEOs that I'm aware of do anything like that. And you're right. The, re- the reason we started doing this was actually to just collect data on what was working, what wasn't working to make our own products better. Um, and then we found out, hey, they were wowed by the fact that somebody actually cared to ask them questions, whether it was the top level people or the bottom level people. Any any interesting insights that you found in in some of these conversations that you've had with brokers? Well, I, you know, I think the thing that is is shocking, but not really shocking, is is and as you know, you know, adoption rates. Uh, what what it takes to get people to want to use this? How do you get folks who are so ingrained with their uh, you know, not not even them, but their agents so ingrained with their um, with their day to day that they really don't know how to pivot, and and it's that art that that I'm trying to really kind of share with them. It's like, hey, you know, here's where I think this industry is going. Here's where I know of the, where the MLS is going. Here's where things are happening um, socioeconomically and affordability wise. Here's where I think we can help. What are your What are your thoughts? And um, what I found is, is you have the same old problems that have been dogging uh, brokerages forever, right? Um, compounded by the fact that you've got agents and teams now who are very empowered. Um, and all, their, all some of these guys are almost felt, feel like they're being held hostage, right, by these folks. Um, and, and to me, I'm like, why don't we not worry about them? Let's worry about your rising stars. How, how, can, we, how can we partner up better with your rising star agents? Right. So it, it becomes almost less of a technology issue and more of a people issue, which I love talking about. I, I could talk about that stuff every day. And if we can get if I can uh, not only, you know, help my, my broker uh, uh, environment become um, kind of places where the where their agents want to go to. They don't feel like they're nickel and dime, use their tech or don't use their tech. Uh, not only do I have a really, a really good uh, entryway into, into my broker owners, but I also have uh, what, I, what I think is a great asset, future leaders that I would love to ingrain good habits with so that they give back earlier, right? So and sometimes it really is coming to terms with the fact that, that a lot of these folks will tell me some things that they won't tell, you know, their average, you know, AE who, you know, like you mentioned, doesn't know how to talk about this stuff, but, um, but going and making better of the people that they do have 
which to me is a is a uh, awesome fundamentally a conversation for me that I love to have, and I think one that is is necessary to have to future proof this industry. That's for sure. Um, so speaking of future proofing this industry, I know that you know associations have to treat all members fairly and similarly. Um, but maybe from a high level perspective, as a as an organization that has uh, Zillow and Open Door uh, as as members, I believe, um, what's what's your take on that, or what's the association's take on that? Well, yeah, I, I, you know, treating treating them fairly that's that is that is a, a very key statement that that I've had to make when folks ask me about it, right? Um, although I will say that it, that it, it hasn't been a big a, a, a pain point than I thought it was gonna be. But I think, you know, folks are seeing the signs and they're understanding uh, the business models and what's happening here. And I think, frankly, there's a lot of folks who are incredibly busy right now to really even care about what those folks are doing. Um, to me, it, it, I'm preparing for what, the, what future membership looks like. You know, it, it, I'm, it's less about the Zillows and the open doors about who, what, what are the next Zillows and the open doors are going to need. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that to me is something that I even posed to my staffers, right? What are these folks who are, who've got hundreds of millions of dollars, sometimes billions of dollars in VC funding behind them? What do they actually need from folks like us, right? Um, so it's, yes, it's treating them fairly, but being tactical with, with everything that I'm offering so that it resonates with them so that they pay attention. Uh, to uh, what we're doing, that they partner up and realize that, hey, you know what, sometimes the Zillow folks need help. And this is something that actually specifically with Zillow, you know, we found a way to actually get our government affairs directors, uh, um, uh, our GAD team to interact on things like data, right, on, on the, uh, the tax issues that we're experiencing and we'll, we'll, we'll be experiencing here going forward. So, you know, I think there is right now a world where we can, uh, we, this, this tent that we're in is going to be diverse. Um, and as we can use it as a gateway to, to get it even more diverse, which I think it's going to be, I think there's going to be more brokers selling leads and there will be selling houses within the next five, 10 years. Um, something that we're going to prepare for now, but it's being tactical with the offerings more than anything while treating everybody fairly. You know, it's it, that's like the uh, it's the old adage that I, I use quite frequently in the real estate industry is um, what publicly traded companies have figured out is in real estate it's it's like the old west days uh, and the gold rush days as a better example, which is who, who made all the money during the gold rush days. It wasn't it wasn't Eric going and and finding gold uh, in in the lake. It was the companies that sold the picks and the axes and the shovels and the and the you know everything like that. It was those folks that made the, the real money uh, back then, and it seems like they're starting to figure out um, that process. I mean, look, Op City sold for two hundred and fifty million dollars. Um, Showing Time sold for half a billion dollars, and it wasn't because they had leads, it's because they had data on knowing when per a person is a lead or would become a lead or, or what they were looking for and why they pulled the trigger on a purchase, right? And so, you know, I, I think it is a matter of figuring out how you implement these tools from a broker perspective. How do you implement these tools into your business? Um, and, and, you know, Rob Hahn said, uh, don't, don't force them into a corner because that's when they will attack. Um, now, the question is, and, and, how, do you think that they saw how busy everybody was? You, you said something that was really interesting. I want to dive into there that everybody is so busy 
that they're not paying attention. Do you think that was was them being calculated and saying, hey, now's our time to strike? Or do you think it was just part of their business plan to begin with? Are you talking about the acquisition? Through acquisitions, look at what CoStar is doing right now. If, you know, CoStar is about ready to be, uh, if they complete the CoreLogic acquisition, they're already the number one and primary data source for all commercial real estate data. And if they buy CoreLogic, they will be the number one and primary source for all residential real estate data along with it. Plus, they're looking to build out sites um, through the HomeSnap acquisition, which you know powered Broker Public Portal, and everybody was pushing HomeSnap because it was part of Broker Public Portal. But now they're talking about building their own separate website. So any of the the big let's let's call it the big three things that are going on, which is the rise of iBuyers like uh, Open Door, um, Zillow, uh, the rise of Zillow becoming a brokerage and and buying resources to power that system uh, and their own iBuyer platform, and CoStar essentially owning all the real estate data. So all three of those items. Yeah, I, you know, I, honestly, I think that this is all just indicative of, of the state of real estate right now and that there's a lot of money being made um, in the industry right now, and, and it's become a safe bet. And you and I both know that in the, in the technology world, especially the VC world, Wall Street world, when one move happens, dozens of other moves happen as well, right? Uh, I, I, I think the fact that it is busy is indicative of the state of this industry and the fact that these folks can now make a safe bet and buy a showing time for 500 million, you know, buy, uh, go in and, you know, make a, make a big play for core logic now. There's a bidding war for it, right? So, you know, I, I think that, all, all we're seeing now is kind of like, you know what, this is it. We're good. Real estate's safe. Let's, let's, let's delve back into it. And um, the snowballing effect, I think we're going to see for a while. Now, will we see, uh, will we see high profile snowballs? <laughs> Probably not. But, um, you know, the, 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 what is going to be a, um, a, a continuation of the of M&A in this world now that CoStar has become a buyer um, is a thing. And I think we're going to see more and more of this stuff as they, oh, no, I'm digging, sorry about this old stuff. Um, the, uh, I think we're going to continue to see more and more of this stuff, not necessarily high profile, but, but necessary ones that are going to be integral to the day to day, you know, and, and you're seeing this now you're seeing these players that would never been on the market a couple of years ago. Now going like, I'm time out. I'm done. Let's do this. Um, and I'm, I, I know that I'm preparing my board, my leadership, uh, over the next two, three years uh, to be able to talk about this stuff and the, and the reasons why it's happening and be able to go where I can't go, go talk to their brokers that they influence about some of these changes. Because I think more and more of these changes are going are to be more fundamental to the way these guys do business day to day than anything else. If you're a brokerage, in five years from now, for you to be viable, are you having to be acquiring right now? I, you know, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Uh, you know I think that's going to vary market to market. I don't think it's going to, you're going to see large splashes anymore. You know, I, I assume you mean like the compasses of the world. I don't see any more of those, those big moves happening. No, actually that's a tailed off over the last couple of years in general. Um, I think they're going to have to start implementing no matter what, whether it's an acquisition, whether it's a technology buy, whether it's, um, um, you know, even things like, uh, you know, onboarding, especially if you're a, a massive entity, you're going to have to get better and better and better at sharpening your knife when it comes to um, internal ops more than anything, no matter what you end up doing. Um, I, I, I look at this market and I, and I see it ripe for um, independence merging. 
And that's something sure. that I'm thinking about, you know what I mean? Because there's so many of them here. Uh, but that's that's very unique to this market, maybe even to this region. Uh, and it might be different from California. It might be different in, in, in Chicago, for sure. Like in Chicago, you got to have properties going in there and, and, and buying up technology, right? So it's, it's not going to be a matter of, of, uh, of uh, anything but execution with what, you know, Thad and Mike are doing out there and, uh, with that, especially now as they grow and they scale, right? So um, I think it's going to be very local and I think it's going to be very, very different from market to market. But is it, does it matter what technology that you have if you can't if you cannot get your agents to use it? It does you, not matter. Yeah, I mean, like at properties, there I looked at their agents and we did a poll of their agents three or four years ago and said, "Are you using the at pro- properties provided platform?" And the majority of them said no. You know, they they said, "Oh, well, we get leads from at properties, but is it their primary platform?" No. And, and I guess what I look at and see is in a five year from now world, in a 2026 world, um, is any brokerage that hasn't gotten their, their agents to use the broker provided platform, are they still viable in any meaningful way? And I think it, what I mean in meaningful way is do, do agents become even more transient and just go wherever the best commission split is more so even than, than today? because they're not going to use the technology no matter what happens versus the brokers that are out there that say to, to work here, you have to use this system and maybe even go so far as moving their agents to salary base, like what Redfin has done. I, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is, do you see a world in five years from now where brokerages are more like Redfin than they are today? You know what? I, I, I don't, right. What I do see is, is them getting better at getting their their new core agents, right? Because you, you, every broker has got these top producers who are going to be hired guns, and they're always going to be afraid of leaving. But uh, what what I definitely foresee is brokerages having to get better at getting their their rising star agents, the ones that they've grown, that they've cultivated and curated, and got them to trust. You know, and I, I'm thinking I'm thinking of a couple of agents on the top of my head right now that that they do use it, and they got to get better at that, right? Um, if they're cultivating in five years, they look back, right? And, they, and over the last five years, they've cultivated their own homegrown top producer agents because of what they are implementing in their system. Yeah, I, I think that is going to be the ticket to success for most brokerages going forward. All right, well, I've got a few more questions that we are running well over time of what I expected, but I've, as I expected here, really, I should have known uh, that we would be getting into a great conversation and going off script. Uh, so <laughs> let me just ask you a couple more uh, questions that I've got here. Number one, about technology and back to DMAR for just a second. Um, you know, this is, this is going to be kind of a softball question, but, I, you know, you guys recently partnered with Ernest, right? And uh, 2021. Digital earnest money. Why did it take so long? Oh God, I, I said every day. I mean, and, and it's not not because it like like I, I sit there and hem and haw and, and see I've seen four other states that I did business in all have it. It's my personal freaking experience of having to go to a bank to wire money to buy a home here, right? And 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 how much of a pain it was. Um, and what's crazy too is that there, like, there, there are four or five services that I could have implemented uh, from the get-go. You know, I love Ernest the best. So why does it take so long? You know, I think it's 
this is the, this is the reason why things don't happen is because we are busy, right? And I think it's, it's somebody needs to keep pushing, and I'm I'm be happy to push it. But it's other things. We'll be running with a company called Rentspree very soon as well to deal with issues here. In that you've got so many people who are going to be accidental landlords, right? Uh, getting out of their home and using it using that equity by uh, by another, and folks like you needing to use services like tenant screening, credit checks, to get that done. Uh, again, the trick is in the rollout. I don't know why things happen, but you know I'm I'm committed to here at at DMAR bringing these solutions that that make us be a business partner to you, no matter what brokerage you hang your hat with, um, and lead with the services that help you, no matter what, right? So, God, I I would love to be able to help with the adoption rate, the acceleration of of really good, high quality technology uh, that helps uh, my members save or make money, right? Because yep. we can figure it out, we can figure it out together. I think we've 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 we'll honestly have cured real estate of all sales. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem to me, it always goes back to independent contractors, right? And and if you read Tribus's very first blog post, in fact, the set of four, there was a four-part series that I wrote. Um, I actually put up a tombstone in 2009 on our website uh, as the very first blog post, and it's the death of the independent contractor. And, you know, I'm not sure that'll happen today or tomorrow or the next day, but to me, the only way we fix the inherent, you know, main problems of real estate um, is we have to be willing to move away from a model where you can't tell an agent uh, uh, how to do anything, right? Like you can't say you have to log in to try this every day uh, and, and you have to use the, uh, this website and you have to record your sales into this system. You, you know, any world that you're in that, you're going to have, uh, dichotomy isn't the right word. It's a 12 cotomy. You're, you're going to have people going every single di different direction. And to me, data wins in the end. And if the broker isn't able to collect good enough data because their their agents are using every other tool that's out there under the sun and whatever they want to use, I think you end up you're not being able to win. And that's why, to me, CoStar buying every piece of data out there um, and now Zillow buying showing time and have showing, you know, 50% of every single showing going back 20 years, they have data on what happened uh, on that on that showing. To me, that's where you win in the end, right? Yeah. So, I, And I think to add to that, to me, I'm, I want to create a world where people want to use our products and services. And I think that's the same kind of sentiment that brokers need to lead with as well, right? We, we talk about all these things about what they have to do and they have to do and they have to do. Uh, you know, as soon as they realize that, the things that they want to do will actually help help them save or make money. That is that is when things start to change, right? Um, that want, that desire to go in and log in and use these these tools and solutions, not what they heard at some conference that they paid paid ten grand to go to. You know, here's somebody who's never sell sell real estate, tell you how to sell real estate. I, it, it, there's a very different ideology that needs to be cultivated here. And to me, it's it's about wanting versus this. Oh God, I have to because my broker says so. And yeah, I think that's yeah. the world we can all work on together. I, I think so. And I mean, Tribus is working very hard with our new success department on, on solving that. Um, but I still think there's always going to be the world of the top producing agents that are just saying, I don't care what you use. It could be better than what I have, but I don't care. I want to use what I have because I own it as the, as the team leader. They own it. And that way, if they want to leave to go to a different brokerage tomorrow, they can. Um, all right. So two quick last questions for you here. Number one is, you know, Denver... 
I don't even know if you realize Denver's kind of becoming a real estate and real estate technology hub, more or less. Oh yeah. And you know, you've got Remax that's headquartered there. You've got BombBomb that's headquartered in, in Colorado Springs, not, not terribly far down the road. You've got a number of other companies that are all around uh, Denver and Boulder, et cetera. Uh, and you know, of course, Trivis uh, has our largest operation that's there. You know, how does an how can association encourage more growth like that? Is is it something that's on your radar of the more real estate tech we can get to Denver, the more we can help our members? Oh heck yeah! And I want to bring them front and center. You know, some of the things I'm thinking about, you know, is ha is having a uh, uh, having a hackathon or or doing some really cool things with with data here. Uh, you know, you you've got you've got Homebuy, you got all these guys. I mean, all. all every real estate nerd is it has a presence here and it's been fantastic so yeah to me it, it that's a long-term play i think what i realized quickly here is that that um you know people here are busy and they need to be kick drag kicking and screaming into 2021 um so you know it, it's all a matter of of what we can do in the future but yeah definitely man and, and i think it, it it not only kind of helping their businesses but helping with their staff like i'd, lo I'd love to be able to help you and your you you and your staff with this journey to home ownership and putting a face to it, becoming part of our marketing, right? So that um, you know, not only is there a place for business, but there's a place for uh, for infrastructure as well, and that includes the people. So, oh yeah, definitely. I think it's just a matter of uh, getting to the point where we can have in, in person meetings again and do some cool things together in a room. If you ever do the the hackathon, our, our team would would be there tomorrow with bells on. Uh, I it's, it's something we've wanted to participate in. So yeah, that that would be great. And I think offering things like that and showing people what the opportunity is, plus what the labor force is uh, in Denver. And I think that's the big win. And in, in in Denver, you have a a big labor force. Heck, I, we have a bunch of roles open where we it's a bonus that somebody's a real estate agent uh, or has been a real estate agent in the past. Um, to, to accept the job. And I think everybody's so busy, we, we can't we can't get anybody that's got real estate experience to apply for it. Yeah. Um, but if you get anybody, please let's send them our way. Uh, um, all right, last question for you, Nobu. And this is a question I ask every one of my guests. If, if you could look back and change one thing over your 20 plus career, uh, 20 plus year career in real estate, if you could change one thing either in the past or today, what would that one thing be? I would have bought more real estate, to be honest with you. <laughs> I was in I was in markets where I look back on like I, I should have bought a home in Nashville uh, 15 years ago when I first we, when we were first met people like Brian Copeland, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I should have bought that uh, that condo that I was renting out in San Diego when I was out there, right? Um, I, I would have bought more real estate. That's my only regret. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it is one of those things I, I look back on when I was living in Orange County, uh, there's a condo I could have bought for $400,000 that uh, the next door one to it, uh, that was really no better just sold for a million two. Uh, and that was 10 years ago. It's, it's just insane. Um, well, Nobu, thank you very much for taking the time. I so appreciate you uh, coming on the show. I'd love to, to catch up with you again, maybe six months uh, or so down the road and, and just talk about where things are at, where they're going, uh, when everybody's able to, to get together again. Who knows, maybe the next one of these things we'll, we'll record together at an in-person conference uh, somewhere. So I, I really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. You've been listening to Brokerage Insider, the podcast where we interview the leaders in real estate and technology. Today, our host was Nobu Hata, and he was the, or is the CEO of the Denver Metro Association of Realtors. 
Make sure to check out Nobu and everything he's doing with DMAR. And make sure to subscribe to the Brokerage Insider Podcast wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, everybody, for listening.